All right, hey, good to see you guys today. Welcome to SOS Church. You finally made it. I'm really excited about that. Uh, some of you guys, it's been a long time coming, right, for you to be here. And uh, we are going to have a good time today. We're going to be sharing with you some really awesome things from God's Word. We're going to be teaching you uh, a really cool spiritual principle today. And today we are talking about the subject of iTunes. How many love the, the whole iTunes wave of the future thing? Yeah, everybody under 25 knows about that. Everybody over between 25 and 40 still probably, uh, you know, using the CDs and then beyond that, eight track tapes, right? All right. All right. Oh, man. I, whoa. Hey, okay. Almost felt like I was on the Jerry Springer show there for a second. <laughs> I'm glad that I could push your hot button this morning. That's what we try to do around here, you know. If we can incite a riot or do something crazy like that, that's always a good thing. Uh, we, we, uh, it's interesting, uh, the uh, whole iTunes thing. I am a music junkie. I love music. I love all different types of music. What you might find interesting about me is that I enjoy a little classical every now and then. Anybody like classical music? They call it listen while you think music, right? Um, I like a little country. That country stuff is really good, you know. No, no, better, no better thing in the world than to, uh, you know, with the country music, you, you understand the message. You know exactly what they're saying. Don't you enjoy that about country? Got no problem with that. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. That, that isn't noise pollution, is it? That's real stuff, man. Real stuff. We raise our goblets of rock and we salute the rock and roll generation. Um, lots of awesome things that come out of the, out of the music industry. And you know, there are messages and there are a lot of things that you can learn about someone when you just scroll through the iTunes or the iPod, uh, device that they use. It's, uh, and, and there's a lot of spiritual themes that can come out of some of the music that we tend to listen to. And what I would like to do today is to take some of that music and in this hardcore Christ centered, biblical way, share with you a little bit about what some of that message might be trying to communicate with us. And today we're talking about the subject of I want. I want. How many knows that we always are found wanting in this life, right? I mean, sometimes what we want isn't actually what we need, correct? And, and there is a scripture that is used, and I don't want to show it just yet, but there is a scripture in Psalm 23. And every one of you know the scripture, whether you realize it or not, because at every funeral, the minister gets up and he says this scripture. And it says something like this, um, the Lord is my shepherd. Say that again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And the scripture goes on, and we're going to break that down briefly here in a second. But every funeral I've ever been to, no matter what the situation of the person that is um, that we are eulogizing, we find that that scripture is being read. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Sometimes when you're a minister, in order to bring hope, in order to bring comfort, you find yourself saying things that, you know, about the person that is in front of you that it's tough to say some words. I mean, um, people who are buried... Uh, early because they, because they had struggles with, 
with uh, different issues in their life. They found themselves wanting things that they did not need. Uh, Maybe drug addiction took someone's life. It's hard to eulogize that situation because what they were wanting wasn't actually what they were needing and they, they lost their life due to an addiction or due to wanting something that wasn't good for them. It's hard eulogizing that, isn't it? It's hard providing the hope for that when we know what the situation was that's tough. We find ourselves in a prison of one. I would like for us to to understand that many things that we want can build walls around us. Many times what we want isn't actually what we need at all. And in, in, in many different ways, we find ourselves being oppressed. We find ourselves being uh, imprisoned by these walls of want. And believe me, in the prison of I want, the bunks are hard. The food normally isn't good. And you normally find yourself maybe even getting everything that you might want, but there is still no satisfaction in any of it, is there? I mean, it's, it's, it's really tough. What do you think this prison's name uh, would be in your life if we were talking about what you wanted? What would it be that might be binding you up? Or what would it be that might be holding you back from experiencing the real blessings, the real satisfaction of what God can bring to your life? I found myself in many different prisons of want. And thinking that I was in a good place when actually hindsight's twenty twenty, right? You look back on your life and you say to yourself, man, what was I thinking? Why did I want that stuff? Why did I even think that that might have been attractive to my life? And I look back and I thank God for allowing me to break the mental and the physical addictions and barriers of wanting things that I knew were not good for me. We find many in this life that are not satisfied with life at all, and they are encased into this prison of want. They always want something more. It has to be bigger, right? It has to be better. It has to be faster for the guys. It has to be greater. It doesn't have to be uh, much just a little bit more in our life situations, and we'll be satisfied, won't we? Just a little bit more. And we tend to go to God with these prayers, and they are not good prayers. They're more selfish prayers, and they are based on what we want rather than trusting God for what we need. And when we find ourselves praying and wanting for the wrong stuff, it begins to produce this lack of satisfaction in our life. When it comes to my house, when it comes to my life, I have to confess to you this morning, sometimes I find myself mentally wanting things that I really do not need. But I'll talk myself into pursuing things that might pull me away from this Christ-centered, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It pulls me away from that very real spiritual principle. And I find myself pursuing satisfaction. And when I get that, that sense of just small satisfaction, I find that I crave it even more. You'll want it more, don't you? We all 
have this ideal in our mind of what we might want. A newer big screen TV might be good for some of us, right? Sports is, sports is coming up, football season's coming up, and nothing like watching the NFL on HD on a big screen. You know, things that we want that we feel like maybe, hey, this is going to make my life happier. Listen to the definition, Mr. De- Mr. Webster's definition of want. State of not having, lack, to be without. The definition of want. And that is the very real definition that we have in our head. My grandfather often said there, uh, the secret to life is, isn't having what you want, but it's wanting what you have. Wow. Now that's pretty cool. Wanting what you have. I do not have the best looking car in the world, but it's paid for. Right? I can feel good about that. I, um, have a house that is in need of some repairs and have a house that I know that could be better than what it is right now, but I have to find myself as a homeowner being content with what God has given me. And that is a very real everyday struggle of the I wants that we can deal with in our life. And I think uh, nobody said it better than, than the rock band Queen back in the day. Let's fire that up and let's let them share uh, this little song. Go hit that up with us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Come on. Tell me that's not hitting you right between the eyes. Who wants it all right now? Yeah. My brother Mike Speck, they're going... Okay, let's kill it. (laughs) I want it all, I want it all, and I want it right now. We live in this right now, give it to me now generation. And if we cannot get it as quick as we want it, we begin to realize that we are unhappy. We're not satisfied. What's that Rolling Stones song? Anybody know that song? How's it go? What? I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no, come on, satisfaction. I can't get no, what's that next song? What's it? No, it's not satisfaction. And I try, come on, and I try, and I try. I can't, I can't. My man Joe over there was going, no, no, no. No, 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 that's the truth. (laughs) I cannot get no satisfaction. We find ourselves not satisfied. We find ourselves, and I'm talking about me too, in the world of want. And there is no satisfaction in the world of want. But God gives us a very powerful, very awesome spiritual principle to learn today. The big ideal today, what I want you to leave here understanding is that you do not have to live in the land of want. And if you do, it's about what you want. It's about what you are pursuing in your life. It's about what we are going after. The Bible calls it the fruits of the Spirit. If we are to experience patience, joy, happiness, long-suffering, love in our hearts, we must learn to pursue the right 
wantings, the right cravings, the right perspective toward life. Today we have a man, and his name was David, who comes to us, and he tells us, King David in the Bible, the secret of satisfaction. And he tells us in Psalm 23, and let's read that together. Psalm 23. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And I, here's, let's do it this way today. Repeat after me while we do this. Can you guys do that with me? So we get this into our spirit. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. I probably should have put that other part on there too. For his name's sake. <laughs> Even though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And let me finish it by myself. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of God forever. Wow. Why do we only read this particular passage when it comes to funeral time? Why can't we take a proactive approach to the Psalm 23 that David was talking about. Because what he was sharing with us is that we can have satisfaction in life and we can do it right now. We can have it in God. So in here, let me explain this. So because the Lord is my shepherd, I should not feel the way that I'm feeling right now. Feelings come in and feelings make us uh, want things. Feelings make us want things just so that we can feel better, right? And the problem is that we take counsel from our feelings. When I'm feeling a certain way, I have to remind myself that I cannot take counsel from my feelings. I cannot react to just the way that I'm feeling all the time. Because if I do that, I am not relying on the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, my head shepherd, my head coach, the one that ministers to my spirit, when I, as a pastor, cannot be there to counsel you, or maybe someone that you trust in this church cannot be there, your life group leader, to walk you through a tough situation, who do you lean on? What do you rely on? Do you follow your feelings, or do you begin to understand that, hey, maybe there is a good shepherd up there, and maybe he is trying to show me something in this particular situation that I'm in? When you look up the word shepherd, you know what it means? It means to tend, to watch over, to protect, to provide. The Lord is my protector. The Lord is my provider. When you look up the word tend, it also means direction. It means a guarding. So you can say it like this. The Lord is my direction I shall not want. I'm not going to live in a life of wanting. But I want to live in a life of satisfaction. 
And you know what happens? It's real. And it happens to each and every one of us every day of our life. When we do not live satisfied, everything becomes bad. And to be honest, I don't know that there's an extreme in that. I think that um, many of us, we either have a good attitude or a bad attitude. And I don't know that you can walk down the middle of that road. Either you choose to believe that God is guiding your path, and you choose to believe that there is a good shepherd, and in the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs, he's there. He's guiding you. I'm on a journey. I'm going to make it one day. And you have to be careful because you go through seasons of life. Have you ever heard anybody negative talk about the seasons that happen? Summer, spring, winter, summer it's too hot, winter it's too cold. I mean, spring, summer, look at it this way, warm days, great outdoors, we get to be outside. Start looking at things as if there is a good shepherd and he's watching over you. Summer, fall, colorful leaves, cool, dry air, we get to enjoy those times. Winter, warmth, or winter and spring, the warmth, the blossoming, blossoming, blossoming of nature, Boy, I almost didn't get that out. The, you get to make snow angels. You get to make snowmen. You get to go sleigh riding with your kids. Kids get to get out of school. Homemade ice cream at my house. Not the yellow stuff. Good, fun stuff. And many times we look at our adulthood the same way in seasons. 20 to 30 you can be positive about the fact that you are getting more mature. From 20 to 30, you can be positive about the fact that you are getting more sophisticated, right? You're learning more and you're knowing more and you are beginning to gain the wisdom of this life. Middle-aged. Man, I played golf this weekend with a middle-aged guy. And I say middle-aged, he was my age, 36. I know you guys thought I was 21, I'm not. I'm 36. This guy was complaining the entire time about his knees, about his joints, about everything that was going wrong with him. And he kept saying to me, and it irritated me to the point that I said, man, you're messed up. Man, when you get to be 35, it's an entirely different thing, isn't it? Man, you wake up 35 and you just can't move anymore. It takes longer to get warmed up when you're 35. At 35, evidently, we might as well just start setting, you know, our appointments for, for meeting our maker at 35 nowadays. And I don't believe that. I don't accept that. I believe that 40 is the new 20, right? 42. Come on. At 36, I'm going to outrun the 20-year-olds. We have to learn to be optimistically, eternally, and optimistically ignorant about some of the things that we can do in order to maintain a positive attitude toward life. If I'm ignorant, then let me be ignorant, man. Let me live and trust and believe that I have a good shepherd. Let me believe that at 50, 60 years old, I'm still going to be on the basketball court mixing it up. I may be baggy-boned, and I may have a walker, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Because 
I know that the important thing for me is realizing that I have a good shepherd and I shall not want. I'm going to be satisfied. I'm going to be satisfied. When we planted this church, my wife and I, and God laid it upon our heart to come in and to develop a team of people, that's what you are. You guys may think that you're just here sitting in the bleacher seats, but one day you're going to be in the game. You may be hearing, you may be thinking, well, I enjoy that cute little thing they do on a Sunday. You better watch out because God's going to get a hold of you. Something's going to happen and you're going to find yourself in the middle of working with a team. You're going to find yourself in a life group. You're going to find yourself doing what God has called you to do, living your walk in relationship amongst community. And that is the very real important thing that we are to be doing in this life being satisfied with what God has given us and moving, pressing for the mark. Paul tells us in Philippians 4, verse 11, I have learned, listen to this, Philippians 4, 11 and 12, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Wow. What a place to be in. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. If I shoot 120 in golf, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Golf is like life. You go through a gamut of emotions in 18 holes, throwing your clubs, watching your words, being careful not to let your emotions get away from you. I have learned to be content. Paul said, I have learned to be content. And he says, I know what it is to be in need. Listen to this. I love this. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. So St. Paul had the best of both worlds. He lived in both areas. And then he says, I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And what is the secret? I have a shepherd. The secret is, I'm not doing this on my own. The secret is realizing that I have God in my life. Without a relationship with the good shepherd, your hope for contentment is dimly lit. It really is. Your hope for satisfaction, your hope for happiness and joy, it will be dimly lit without Christ as the head shepherd of your life. And many times when Christ is not the head shepherd, we tend to call a want a need. Many times. Many times we try to take what we want and turn it into something that we think God's going to give us. And that's where the very real confusion in your life's happen. Because if you don't get the job, if you don't get the car, if you don't get the house, if you don't get the wife, what happens? God gets the blame because you've tried to attach God to what you want. When God is the good shepherd, he knows exactly what we need in our life. Some keys to Paul's contentment. Let's put those up real quickly. And I'm going to close soon. Desire for God's presence. Desire for God's presence. I want to be in the presence of God. I want to be in the middle of God's purpose. I want to know that I'm doing what he has called me to do. Number two, desire for God's pleasure. God takes delight in when you are happy. 
do you want God to look upon you and be satisfied with what he has created? Do we want God to look upon us and be happy with what we are doing while we are here on this mission for Christ? We want to bring God pleasure. We want to bring God a sense of being proud of the people that he has created. SOS community. We want God to look upon SOS and say there is a band of merry men and women in South County that is setting it on fire for me. There is a group of people that have decided not just to go through the motions, but to get out into the community and to transform the community. Let's bring pleasure unto God. Desire for God's purpose. To live your life according to the purpose of God is the most amazing thing that we can do. Each and every one of us have a purpose. We have a reason to be here and to be doing what we're doing. And we're going to help you discover that further into the journey here at SOS and help you understand that more. Very soon we're going to be offering class sessions, class 101 session and class 201 session. And they're going to be dealing with that very thing, helping you discover your gifts, helping you discover your personality type, help, helping you discover God's purpose in your life, and getting you plugged into what God wants to do for you. Very powerful things that God is going to do. So I guess what I'm saying is, is if you're going to need something, if you're going to want something, want Christ. Want him. I have to be honest with you. That is what I want. My sole purpose and focus, first and foremost, is God. And it is through God that I can be the husband that I am to my wife, the dad that I am to my kids, and the leader that I am to my church. But God comes first. Mike, you can be coming up. God comes first. I want to give you some quick sheep facts. Ready for some sheep facts? The Bible says that we are sheep. God is our head shepherd. So let me give you some sheep facts. These are true facts about bighorn sheep. Got them on the internet. These didn't just come from the top of my head. Sheep will not lie down unless four needs are met. Have you been having trouble resting? Have you been restless at night? Have you not been satisfied as you go throughout your day? Are you the type of person that drives to work and says, man, I hate my job? Are you the type of person that says, man, I don't like my life? I'm not happy with the way things have turned out. Maybe you're wanting the wrong things. Maybe you're not satisfied with where God has brought you to, and you're not optimistic about the future that God has taken you to. God wants to release you from that prison of want. And he wants you to have a perspective that can set you free in here this morning. I'm not talking about just shout me down, feel good stuff. I'm talking about the real life issues, man. Where you can walk out of here and you can be free because you've changed your mind, your thinking toward God Almighty. Number one, sheep will not lie down unless four needs are met. Number one, hunger. The need of hunger must be met in sheep if they are to lie down. What are you hungry for? Because I promise you, if your appetite 
is to just keep up with the Joneses. You're going to come to the end of that road and you're going to find yourself wanting, wanting, and wanting more. There will be no satisfaction in that particular thing. So what will happen? You won't lie down. You won't rest. You won't find yourself in the presence of God satisfied and happy. Oh, none of, please don't do that. It's a miserable place to be in your life. Number two, sheep will not lie down unless the fear is conquered. I want to speak to some of you here because I think there's some very real fears that are in your life about your future, about the economy, about what's going on all around us. But can I tell you something? The Spirit of the Lord will drive the fear from your heart. He will cause you to walk on stable ground. He is a high tower. He is a stronghold. The Bible calls him our refuge. When you find yourself in God, you do not have to worry about what that tomorrow may look like because you know you are in his hands. It's funny because in verse 4 of Psalm 23, David switches from just talking about God, you'll notice, to talking to God. So all of a sudden, it's not a song just about God anymore, but it's he's speaking directly to God, and he is just letting God know, I am not going to want. I am not going to fear. Number three, sheep will not lie down if they are not content. If you're not content in your life, if you are not content with the people that are around you, if you're not content with what God has given you, you will not lie down. You will not rest. You will toil and you will work and you will be active. Active doing what? Active doing what? And we got to learn. We got to learn that we got to rest in the presence of God. And number four, harmony. If there's not harmony, the sheep will not lie down. God wants, you say, Tom, you're always telling us to Live the gospel of Christ in us amongst community and amongst life groups. Why do you think I'm doing that? Because this isn't a God and me life that I'm living. This is a God and we life. I can't go lock myself in my house all day long and say, it's just you and me, God. And man, if I make it to heaven, I guess that's all that matters. That's an attitude of a lot of people, isn't it? Man, if, you're just, if you can get me to heaven, God, I'm gonna be, that's going to be great. And then when you get up there, if you make it, God's going to say, what would you do for me when you were down there? God wants you to be on a team. He wants you to be living your life in transparency and vulnerability in a community of believers where you share and you grow together. And by the way, grow is a biblical mandate in the Word of God. We're not meant to just come and sit in the bleachers and watch the game. We are meant to be in the game. This church, and I want you to hear me very closely, everybody. Let me cast a little piece of vision. This church is going to explode. Hold on to your seat. Fasten your seatbelt. Get ready. For what is going to happen and there will be no one that's going to stop it because the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. We will not live in the land of lack or no opportunity. But we're going to step into it. And when people see what is going on, they're going to see revival. And that's where everyone wants to be. 
They want to be, we want to be in a place where there can be life change, where there can be harmony, where we can find rest for our soul. In Psalm 23, it says, He will lead us in the paths of righteousness. And I'm closing with this. It also talks about the valleys of the shadows of death. Same psalm. Talk about a high and a low. That's a high and a low. That is an extreme. That's the life that we live in, guys. God didn't say that we would always be walking on the mountain in the paths of righteousness. But there are going to be times where we got to go through those valleys. But while we are going... Understand that God, your shepherd, is always with you. He is leading you. He is guiding you. He is protecting you. He is tending his sheep. We are his flock. And it's a well-known fact that sheep are stupid, aren't they? We can be stupid, man. They say that when sheep gets caught on the edge of a mountain, they'll just go over, right over the edge, all the way to the ground. Stupid sheep! They'll drown before they'll save themselves to get to higher ground sometimes. Why? Because I think that sheep listen to their feelings more than they actually follow the shepherd. Hurting people in America to be like Christ is like hurting a bunch of cats, man. Because <laughs> everybody in America thinks that they know where they want to go and know what they want to do. America needs people to take this gospel message and believe in it once again. Not the church, the gospel message. America has already given up on the church institution. People in America look at the church and they see it as irrelevant, filled with a bunch of mean-spirited people that just want to judge them. Not SOS. Please get this. God wants to do something amazing in the city of St. Louis, in the South County area, he wants to do something that will blow people's minds. But you must believe. You must begin to understand that God is the good shepherd of your life. And he's going to lead and guide you in all things. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Let's pray the prayer of the stupid sheep, shall we? <laughs> I want you to get something very, very closely, if you would. I'm not your shepherd. I know you, you may, may have trouble realizing that. Christ is your head shepherd. I'm your pastor. I'm not going to try to be your shepherd. I want to be your pastor. And I want to point you toward the head shepherd. That's what somebody did for me when I was broke, busted, disgusted, when I was angry about life, when I was addicted to drugs, when I found myself wanting all the wrong things, confused, in the prison of I want. Everything was about me. My language was selfish. My language was selfish. Well, if, if, if I could have this or if I could do that, well, if the church would do this, maybe I'll get involved. Well, if people could really see who I am, well, I left that church because there were just, they didn't pay any attention to me. Pastor didn't call me. I, I want. Keep on living in that prison and you just call me in a little while and tell me how that turns out for you. 
I had to break free from the I wants. God had to liberate my mind and my thinking. Fill me with the presence of his purpose and spirit. And that changed my life. Man, and I'll never forget how I felt when God did that for me. Everybody close your eyes, please. If you're here and you say, Tom, I'd like to have that change in my life. Tom, I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. And I need, I need Christ in my life. I won't embarrass you. I will not ask you to come up. I will not do anything. I just want you to acknowledge. And I will acknowledge you. And then after service, I'll come up to you. And we'll talk about this. And we'll talk about this change that I know that you can have. If you're here, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. I want to give everybody an opportunity to make that change. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else in here? We'll give it a few seconds. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you guys for that commitment. All right. All right. I want to pray. I want to pray at this time. Father, thank you for these SOSers. You said that we are your sheep and we know your voice. So this particular week, I pray that you allow them to take this home with them. Let them go in their cars, drive home, and realize all throughout this week that they're never going to be satisfied until we submit our life to you. We're never going to be satisfied until we step into the satisfaction of living our life for you. It doesn't mean we're not going to have problems. It means that we're just getting our minds where they need to be so that we can serve you fully. And I pray that everyone here experience you in a special way this week. Be their shepherd. Guide them. Tend them. And help them to hear your voice this week, God, in your name. And everybody, give me a big, loud yes.